Thanks for tuning in to the Crew at UGA podcast. We are so glad to have you with us. Crew exists to call students to know God, grow in their faith, and go to the world. If you would like to get more connected with Crew at UGA, or if we can help you in any way at all, go to the show notes and click on the link, or follow us on Instagram at Crew at UGA. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Uh, my name is Kyler. I'm on staff uh, here with Crew. Uh, my wife is Natalie. She, she facilitated the, the Zoom call last week, and uh, I'm really glad that y'all are here tonight. I know it's midterms. Maybe you're in midterms or they're, they're coming up, but I'm really glad y'all are here. And so tonight, we're going to be starting our six-week series in the Old Testament book called Exodus. So we're going to be in Exodus the next six weeks. Um, and as we get going tonight, I'm actually I'm going to start by sharing in just an interest of mine with you all. So I love watching movies. Uh, I would say that kind of watching movies is like a hobby. I just eat them up. And um, my ideal day off, like on a Saturday, uh, day off is waking up, um, going to Beachwood Theater, um, afternoon matinee, all by myself, and watching a movie. Like that is, sounds perfect for me. Uh, so much fun, and yes, I am that introverted. Um, do not try to join me on this movie. I will not, uh, I won't have it. Um, but I, I love watching movies, and my favorite films are, are written and directed by Christopher Nolan. Uh, just so good. I think he's a genius. Uh, yes, claps for Christopher Nolan. Um, really good movies, but they can be kind of trippy and mind-bending a little bit. Um, just crazy, the kind of stuff that he comes up with. Um, but I would say probably his most trippy and confusing movie uh, that, that he has uh, made is his most recent one, Tenet. Anyone seen Tenet? Tenet? Okay, so uh, Tenet, I think it's a great movie. John David Washington, Denzel Washington's son, is the lead or the protagonist in the movie. And um, I, it's, a, it's about time travel, and so there's all these like, twisty, mind-bending things going on. Really great movie, but here's how I went about watching Tenet. So like I said, love going by myself. So I went to Beachwood Theater by myself when it came out. I watched it, and I liked it. thought it was a good movie. Uh, I got the gist of it, um, but there was a ton I did not get, uh, didn't understand. And so what I then did about a month later, when it came out on Redbox, I got it, and I watched it again with a friend. And so we watched it together. We talked a lot about it, and we watched YouTube videos about it, just trying to understand this movie even more. Um, And then... After that, I went to Reddit, and I found this gem. You can throw that up. So this is an explanation of what's going on in Tenet. And if it looks ridiculously confusing, it is. Like, truly. And so there's, so, there's all these, like, relative timelines that are going on. And so I studied this thing. I was like, this is going to be my guide for understanding Tenet. And so once I did, I watched it a third time uh, with some other friends. And it really wasn't until this third time of watching it that I was like, okay, I get it. I get what's going on, and it's so good, so complex and confusing, but once I had this guide and was able to watch it with others and talk about it, I began to understand it. And so I bring this up because I think oftentimes, I know it's my experience, and maybe your experience too, that this can be how it is when we read stories in the Bible. Even familiar stories um, to some of us like Moses and Exodus. So we, we read it. Uh, come across it, we, we get the gist, um, some confusing things, but we just kind of move on. It's like, okay, I got it, read it once, let's move on, uh, keep reading. Um, and 
because, I mean, think about it. These stories were told from thousands of years ago in a different culture, in a different language. And so there's just so much there that's complex and we don't really understand. But if we just move on, then some of the big questions can be left unanswered. Like, what's going on in the story? Like, how does this connect to the rest of the Bible? And how does it, like, who are these characters and, and what's going on? And, and how does this story really fit into my life even? Um, and so a lot of those questions can be missed if we just move on. And so our hope in doing this series is to clarify some things, to talk about what's actually going on in the book uh, and make some connections there that really relate to the overall story of the Bible. And so imagine in this series, you and I were, were together watching Exodus together. So what would we talk about? Like what would stand out to us? What would we need clarity on um, and how would we see how it all connects to the whole Bible? And so that's what we're, we're trying to do in this series. Um, so again, six weeks, and we're going to try to clarify some things. Uh, and so I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to get started um, tonight. So God, we love you. We're grateful you're here um, with us, and that um, we're giving your word to open and, and uh and hear from you, and really just learn more about you. This is your story. Um, you are the main character, um, and you are, you're working, and you're doing something. And so God, would we um, be captured by what you're doing um, in this story and, and in our own stories, how you're, you're working in our lives. Tonight, would you, would you speak through me? Um, would you bring great clarity um, as we open your word, and do this by your spirit? We depend on the Holy Spirit, in this time, that we depend on you. Um, so we love you, we trust you, and we, we ask that you would, you would draw near to us tonight and give us wisdom. Amen. All right, so like I mentioned, Exodus is in the Old Testament of the Bible. But before we even go there, what is the Bible? What's the Bible? Like, what is this book? What's in it? And, and what part of it are we spending six weeks in? And so we're going to watch this short video by the Bible Project. There's some audio there, too, and uh, it'll maybe clarify some things. So the Bible is one of the most influential books of all time, but what is it exactly? Yeah, some people treat the Bible like a divine behavior manual that dropped out of heaven. Others use it like a theology dictionary written to answer all of our questions about God. And others still think of it like a grab bag of spiritual one-liners and inspiring stories. But here's the thing. The Bible isn't written as a rule book or theology dictionary or even as a collection of inspirational writings. Then what is the Bible? Well, open up the Bible to page one and read the opening words. In the beginning. Now, turn to the last chapter of the Bible where you can read this. And they reigned forever and ever. Okay, so the Bible's telling a story from beginning to end. Yeah, it's one epic narrative about how God has appointed humanity as his partners to oversee this amazing world. It's about how we've ruined that partnership and how God is restoring us and our world through Jesus. All right, that's the Bible Project. If you're not familiar with them, they do some really cool stuff. Uh, just Google Bible Project and uh, you'll find a lot of their videos. But so that video, I know it was short, but I think it gave a really good framework for us as we now start talking about what is the Bible and going into Exodus. And so here's the quote that they said at the end. The Bible is one epic narrative about how God has appointed humanity as his partners to oversee this amazing world, how we've ruined that partnership, 
and how God is restoring us and our world through Jesus. Now, we could spend the entire talk, the entire series, just kind of diving into that, like what all that means. Um, and though we can't do that, I want to address it a little bit. And so they brought up, the story begins in Genesis. They, they, they showed it on the, in the beginning, Genesis 1. Um, the first book of the Bible, that story starts. It begins to unfold. And not just the book, first book of the Bible, actually the first three chapters in Genesis begin to lay out what that video was talking about. So here's how. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 tell of how God has appointed humanity to partner with him in overseeing the good world that he created. You can see that in Genesis 1 2, the first page of the Bible. God appoints humanity. Humanity. He creates them, he blesses them, and he says to them in Genesis 1, 28, he says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the earth, a fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on earth. So that first movement, God appointing humanity, is right there in Genesis 1 and 2. But then, in the first part of Genesis chapter 3, we see how humans ruined that partnership through sin. The serpent tempts humanity, and evil and darkness are now brought into God's good world that he created. So that's in Genesis 3, how we have ruined that partnership through sin. And then still in Genesis 3, still in chapter 3, we see God, he makes a promise that a Savior will come and save humanity and crush the serpent. It's the first three chapters of this giant book. And so now what this means is the rest of the book, the rest of the Bible is laying out that story, how God is restoring us and restoring our world through Jesus. That's what this book is all about. And what's interesting is a lot of people smarter than me have pointed this out. So if that's the overall storyline of the Bible, that storyline actually repeats itself in smaller ways throughout the entire Bible. So we see that storyline in specific stories in the Bible that shows glimmers of God's original design, how he appoints humanity to partner with him. Stories show that how sin continues to cause ruin and chaos in the good world that he created and points that he is doing a good thing in restoring us and the world through Jesus, only that he could do and he eventually does and will do, that we see at the very end of the Bible. So that's what's going on, and, and though it's, it's this overall story, these little stories reflect it, and that's particularly true for the book of Exodus. And so right now, you may be experiencing what I did when I watched Tenet for the first time. You're like, okay, I kind of get it. Overall story, there's small little stories here. I get the gist, but it's still kind of fuzzy. Like, what exactly? Like, how does this all connect? This is a huge book. How is it telling one story? Um, and if, if you've been around the Christian thing a while, if you've ever read the Bible, you know Jesus doesn't come on the scene until the New Testament. So how is Jesus already the focus starting in Genesis? How is he the focus if he doesn't come until later? And so I get that. I see why that's maybe fuzzy. Um, if I'm honest, it'll take a lifetime of interacting with the Bible to see that clearly and perfectly, if ever perfectly. But as we approach it this way and, and dig into Exodus, 
I just want us to take Jesus at his word. What did he say about this when he was on earth? So in John chapter 5, verse 39, he tells some religious leaders this. He says, you search the scriptures, Old Testament. New Testament has not been written yet. You search the Old Testament scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. So Jesus is saying the Old Testament scriptures are about me. Then later in, in Luke's account of the gospel, um, he tells the story of towards the end, Jesus, he's, he's walking on the road with some people that are interested in faith, um, kind of questioning what this means to have faith. And Luke writes about this encounter. And beginning with Moses, Exodus, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all of the scriptures the things concerning himself. This is what Jesus says about the Bible. It's about him. He is the point. And so this should completely transform the way we read the Bible, the way we read Exodus. And so, yes, we don't meet Jesus until the Gospel of Matthew. That's, that's true. And though we don't see Jesus in Exodus, we know he's there because we know to look for him because he's told us to look for him. And so that's going to be another focus of our talk series over the next six weeks. We are going to read Exodus with New Testament eyes to look for Jesus because he's there. He said he, it was about him. And, you know, I brought that picture of Tenet, like the guide I needed to understand the movie. We have that guide to understand Exodus. It's the whole Bible. It is our guide. You see, Exodus is a smaller story that connects to the larger story. Understanding Exodus will help us understand the whole Bible, and the whole Bible will help us understand Exodus. The Bible is super cool in that way, and we get to read it and talk about it together. So, a lot of setting up the series, I know. Um, but let's, let's look at Exodus. Let's open it up. Chapter 1, um, starting in verse 1. It'll be on the screen. If you have your Bible or your phone, you can look at it there. So here we go. Exodus chapter 1. It's the second book of the Bible right after Genesis. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. All right, let's stop. Keep in mind, we are drop, parachuting in, dropping into an already existing story. And so we've got to clear this up. Who are these people? Why, what's the focus? Why are we starting Exodus here What's this story that's already happening? So back in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, God, he makes a covenant or a promise with a man named Abraham. So he tells Abraham that he's gonna, God is going to bless him by making of him a great nation. And that starts by giving him a son. So some years later, Abraham and his wife Sarah, they have a son named Isaac. God's promise is beginning to unfold in the book of Genesis. And then Isaac and his wife, Rebekah, also, they have a son named Jacob. 
This is Jacob's son. Uh, this, is, this is Isaac and Rebekah's son named Jacob. And then Jacob, he is actually given a new name by God. He wrestles with God. He's given a new name. That name is Israel. And then Jacob, Israel, he then has 12 sons. So it's showing God's original promise to Abraham is, 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 coming, is coming out. It's, it's, it's well on its way. And so all this is laid out in the, in the book of Genesis, the book right before Exodus. And it's a long story with a lot of twists and turns, some uh, ups and downs, and how the people of God get to where they're at. Um, but what's happening in Exodus is they find themselves in Egypt because of God working through one of Jacob's sons named Joseph. And so you may have uh, seen that in, as we read Exodus. And so that's what's going on. Uh, that's where we're at, this, this family. We're highlighting this family. So let's, let's keep reading. In Genesis 1, 6 and 7. Then Joseph died, and all of his brothers, and all of that generation. But the people of Israel were fruitful, and they increased greatly. They multiplied, and they grew exceedingly strong, so that the land was filled with them. So here we have this group of people, blessed by God, and they're being fruitful. They're multiplying. They're filling the earth. That sounds familiar, right? Exodus 1 sounds a lot like Genesis 1. It's one story. God is doing one thing. And this is the, it, God's original intention for humanity. It's coming, it's, it's playing out in Exodus. So let's keep reading. Starting in verse 8. Now there arose a new king in Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Python and Ramesses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and in brick and all kinds of work in the field. And in all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Skipping down to verse 22. Then Pharaoh commanded all of his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews or Israelites, you shall cast into the Nile. You shall let every daughter live. So here, what do we see? We see fear. Talk of war. Abusive power. We see oppression. We see slavery. We see murder. These are dynamics so common in our world that rarely phases us. We're just so used to hearing about these things. But all of this is here in Exodus. What we see, it's evil. This is evil going on in Exodus, in the world God created. This is, an, this is all an assault on God's original design for humanity to partner with him in the flourishing of all people and all creation. And beyond just historical or and sociopolitical or anthropological reasons as to why this is going on, we know why this is going on. We've already been told in Genesis 3, 
It's because of sin. Sin is why this is going on. The people of God are living in a world of ruin and chaos, which originates back to Genesis 3. It's one story. We see it here in Exodus. So let's see how the story continues. So Exodus 2, it introduces us to someone named Moses, which you may have heard of. He's an Israelite belonging to that particular family of God that we've been looking at. And we meet Moses as a baby. He's a child born into a particular moment in time where the person in power wants to kill him because he threatens his reign as king. Sounds like the Christmas story, right? But we won't spend too much time in that. Um, but you can, read, you can read all in Exodus 2, the circumstances of Moses' life, of he's, of he's born, how he's born, how he comes into the care of Pharaoh's daughter, which is pretty cool, and, and how he grows up in the Egyptian palace. And, and all of this is really nothing shy of a miracle, that this is happening um, to Moses. But then later in chapter 2, Moses does some pretty shady stuff um, in Egypt. And he flees, he runs away, and he, he, he lives in Midian. And so y'all can, you know, read all that later. Um, but I do want to read, let's read the end of Exodus 2. Very end of Exodus 2. It says this, During those days, during those many days, the king of Egypt died. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery. And they cried out for help. They cry for rescue. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel. And God knew. So what God saw was not his original design for humanity the way things, things should be in the world. God was attentive to the people's cry for help. He was aware of their suffering as a result of sin and evil being done to them. God had not forgotten them. God had not turned their back, his back on them. God was watching. He was listening. He was looking. He was caring for them. God knew and God was getting ready to act. His heart was to save them out of their slavery. So in Exodus chapter 3 now. God, he appears to Moses in a burning bush. And then God says to Moses, picking up in verse 7. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land. A land flowing with milk and honey. To the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, 
but I'll be with you. And this will be my sign for you that I've sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. See, God is set on rescuing his people from their slavery. He knows their suffering, and he's roused to act. He desires to deliver them out of the hand of evil and bring them into a good land, flowing with milk and honey, as it says. A land of peace and a land of blessing. A land for them to cultivate and care for in this partnership relationship with him. And how is he going to do this? By raising up an Israelite man, Moses, who he first met as a baby, to deliver his people out of slavery. The savior figure in Exodus is here. We meet him. It's one story. This is one story. So the last thing we'll read, picking up in verse 13, chapter 3. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. It's here that God reveals himself to Moses as Yahweh, the eternal, one true God. And it's this God who makes a commitment to save the people through his servant Moses. The stage has been set for a cosmic showdown between God and Pharaoh, the personification of evil in the world at this time. The story is building. It's going to unfold. And this is where we're going to pick up next week. So here's how we're going to close tonight. I know this was heady. This is kind of, this talk was kind of teachy. You know, and maybe you, you learned a lot about the Bible, a thing or two, and it stimulated your mind a bit. But we at Crew, we don't exist just for you to learn things and then leave. So as we close, we, I want to draw us in a little bit to this story. The story of the Bible. This story is one that you and I are a part of. What we find in Genesis and in Exodus is true for us as well. See, we were all created by God to know him, to love him, and to partner with him in the care and cultivation of the world. Why? Why, why is this the case? Just because he wanted it that way. He loves us because he loves us. He invites us because he invites us. He wants us to be a part of what he's doing. This is an amazing opportunity and purpose we have to be alive. But like we saw with Adam and Eve in Genesis and with the Israelites in Exodus, sin it ruins things, totally ruins things. Sin that we're in, we are complicit in, sin that we are guilty of, 
and sin that we are enslaved to. It ruins things. It causes chaos. We know the effect of sin in our lives and in the world around us. It's not how it should be. It's not how it's supposed to be. Yet, but God knows. And he made a way for us all to be restored, to be rescued, to be redeemed. The ultimate Savior did come. We know that. Moses, he was just a shadow of him in Exodus. But Jesus is the shadow caster. The point is him. He is the ultimate Savior that we can know. God, through Jesus, delivers us all from our slavery to sin as an act of his grace. We're forgiven, we're made new, and now we're invited to partner with him to the good work that he is doing in the world. God is at work. He's at work in Athens. In Athens, he's, he's at work in South Asia. We're invited to partner with him, participate with him. He's making all things new. And we get to be a part of it. And so, application, really, for tonight, is just be reminded of the overall story of God. It's about him. Be reminded of that. And be humbled and be glad that we are invited to be a part of that story. Let me pray for us. God, you are great. You reveal yourself to, to Moses later in Exodus as a God of steadfast love and faithfulness, full of mercy, full of grace, and, and we can know you through Jesus, through his work, through being the perfect deliverer and savior of us, of humanity, of the world. So God, as we just remember now that this is your story, it's about you, it's not about us, but it's for us. We get to be a part of it. I thank you for that invitation. I, I pray wherever we're all at tonight, whoever's here, we're would you guide them in taking just the next step to be a part of what you're doing in the world? In their lives of knowing you, of, of walking with you, and, and embracing their purpose. To be a part of making all things new, the work that you're doing. So we're, we're humbled, we're glad that we can know you and be known by you. So tonight as we sing... As we respond now, Lord, we just proclaim your good, and, uh, and we love you, and we trust you with our lives. Amen.